Welcome to the Olive Tree Podcast channel. Whether you're listening from our beloved Durban, South Africa, or from further away, we trust that you would feel welcome and included in what God is doing in our community, and that you feel inspired by today's message. Good morning, church. So good to be with you. And today we are doing week three of our But God series. But every now and again, we do a series where I for example, we'll write a brief that's going in this direction, and then God gets involved and it ends up going in that direction. And uh, this has been one of those series that I really think is important for people. And so I'll do a quick recap before I hand over to a friend of mine. But we started off this series, and we spoke about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fire. And we said that many, many people are in the fire at the moment. But God was with them in the fire. And in that week, I said that every time you see a chair, remember that Jesus is with you. He never leaves you. And if you go into a fire with Jesus, I said that one, it will turn out to be for God's glory. Secondly, people around you will be impacted. And thirdly, the person who goes in will be promoted, improved. The, the person who goes in will be different to the person who comes out. So that was week one. And last week, Lutz spoke about how uh, Daniel went into the lion's den. And in the midweek, we spoke about the difference. But the, the big idea was this. If you are in a situation where it feels like there is a lion, there is something that is too powerful, too big, too strong for anything you can put up with, then your prayer should be, Lord, send an angel and close the mouth of the lion. And so every time you see a chair, I want you to think, Jesus is with me. And every time you see a cupboard or you close a door, you might need to pray, Lord, please close the mouth of this lion. Now today, uh, I asked a friend to do an insert. And then when he showed me what he'd written, I realized this wasn't an insert, this was a preach. And so I asked my friend, Tim Wimble to share this, but before we get into it, he's going to speak about, but God was with us in that his grace was sufficient for us. That scripture, God said his grace is sufficient for us. And if you're living in darkness, and it just feels like life is dark, I know many of you are, it's, it's just, it's overwhelmingly lacking. If that's your today, it may feel like God's grace is a tiny light, but it will be sufficient for your needs. And so as you look at every lamp in your home, may you remember in this moment, God's grace is sufficient for you. But other than that, I'm going to hand over to my friend Tim, and I believe that God is going to speak deeply, so I ask that you open your hearts. I'm actually going to pray for you now, and then you're going to have Tim. So, Heavenly Father, I invite you to speak deeply into my heart and into our hearts today. And I ask God that you will let people see and feel and know that your grace is sufficient for them. In Jesus' name, amen.
Morning, Olive Tree. Wonderful to be with you. We're in the middle of a series called But God, where we're basically looking at a couple stories through the Bible of some circumstances and situations that were pretty tough and how God jumps in and does something and then what the consequences of that are in people's lives. And so we're busy with that this morning and so wonderful for you to join us today. Uh, I married a lady that grew up in a family where photographs were big. I didn't grow up in a family like that myself, but my wife's father was a photographer. Not just a photographer, he had his own studio where he developed photos, and he was also the guy that went to schools and did the school photos. So where you stood in the row and you would look really nice with your tennis kits on, he was the guy behind the camera. And uh, that was my wife's father. Now you can imagine her bringing that into our marriage Photos needed to become bigger. That's something I needed to learn. And I always got the angles wrong or I stood too far away. I brought the camera too close. My wife's had to educate me over these last couple of years as to how to do a photo correctly. I don't know about you, but my family works like this. I've got a nine-year-old daughter. I've got a seven-year-old son. And then I've also got a two-year-old baby boy. Now, you know about the terrible twos, quite hard to control those guys, lots of tantrums. So when we take photos, it's not the easiest task ever. What we've come down to is that we realize that we're kind of needing to take 100 photos, and one of those will be exactly with everyone's heads in, the baby not crying, the kids aren't fighting. That's kind of what we down to our success rates. Uh, don't you know, though, that our world is basically positioned in such a way? When you look at Facebook and Instagram and other social media, it's quite a lot of it is to do with putting your best foot forward. Quite a lot of it has got to do with doing that perfect photo of you sitting on the beach and your kids there looking so content and so happy, you being beautiful parents, but we all know that the other 99 photos, there was screaming, shouting, and lots of fighting going on. In this place where we live in, everyone loves putting their best photo forward. I don't know if you were part of the celebrations of the 2019 World Cup, if you didn't know what happened there, you probably were sleeping for about a couple years. But this is what happened, is that South Africa, the Springboks, became the best rugby nation in the whole world, 2019. We won a trophy for it. And what happened was the Springboks came back, and they did a tour through South Africa. In that tour, they were showing off their best again. And so there's this trophy called the William Webb Ellis Trophy, and this trophy was taken with these guys on a bus. They showed it through the whole of South Africa. But I'm telling you now what wasn't shown. What wasn't shown is the guy that got a knee injury from the big all black that ran into him and he got cronked. What wasn't shown was the guy who had a hamstring problem because the Japanese guy was way too quick for him. What wasn't shown was the broken nose that one of the guys put his nose out crooked and his wife doesn't think he's so beautiful anymore. That was never shown. What was shown was the beautiful William Webb Ellis trophy. I have a friend, he sells life insurance. I asked him the other day, how's it going with your business? He said, well, last year was terrible. This year has going really, really well. I said, well, what's the change? What's been the difference in your, in your two years? He said this to me, I bought a new car. So I said, well, explain that to me. He said, when I used to rock up two clients, they would look at my old bucky that had my boat on, which was so practical, so enjoyable, but looked so ugly. And they would think this guy's definitely not successful. I'm not going to be purchasing a policy from him. He said he bought a new car, beautiful A4 Audi, 
beautiful red color that he keeps nice and clean. He says, nowadays, he rocks up to a client, the client immediately thinks, this guy's successful and signs up for life insurance. So for those that are marketers, that might be a little tip for you into the next direction. What I'm gonna do this morning, I wanna tell you a little bit about my story. My story is not a story of strength. I'm not gonna be boasting about how good I am or how powerful I am or the things that I've done in the past. I'm actually gonna be telling you about a very weak me and some of the struggles that I've gone through in my life. The age of 24, I just finished my degree in accounting. It's on my way to becoming a chartered accountant. And I felt that God speaking to me and him saying to me that I should work for a church full time. The age of 24, I wasn't married at the time. Three months into this new job, we were doing mission trips up into Africa. I'd taken three rounds of malaria medication to not get malaria. And this together with the pressures possibly of a new job and a bad family medical history, one night in the shower I was standing there and it honestly felt like there was a knife that was cutting into my brain. From that moment until this day, something happened chemically in my brain that caused huge trauma within my life. I went into a massive depression, a clinically proven depression, and needed all kinds of props, medication, professionals to help prop me up and actually be able to live life normally. I remember the time and the place that I was in. It was a desperate, dark, and very isolated place. I was very alone, although there were many people around me. What you don't know possibly about me is that three years prior to that, my mother, who had struggled with mental illness for a number of years, had actually taken her own life. And so that together with how I was feeling so down and desperate and depressed, and with this knowledge of what happened to my mother, I was so anxious. There'd be times that I just could not be on my own because I was scared of what would happen. I was absolutely desperate. Had people around me that would help me through it, but I had this deep pain, this deep longing of just being happy again and just being normal. Remember those times so clearly, from that time till this, it's almost been like I've been a man with a limp. I've had to learn how to walk with only one leg. Had to learn how to stand when I'm paralyzed. I go through regular times of having really to focus on what I'm needing to do so that I can keep myself mentally prepared for the day ahead. Some days I battle to get out of bed. Some nights I'm not sleeping properly. I know that every day at four o'clock, I need to go and exercise because that's good for my body. I need the right amount of sleep. I need enough rest. I need enough holiday. And then we've got the stresses of life that would influence that kind of chronic illness. You might say to me, well, Tim, that's a very interesting way of introducing yourself this morning. I'm not sure what picture you possibly have of me, but what I want to speak about this morning is I want to speak about weakness. We see an incredible man by the name of Paul writing in Corinthians, and he speaks about his weakness. Now, it's totally countercultural to what we see in the world today. It's not a guy putting up his number one photo out of the hundred he took. He's actually putting up that one where two kids are cut off, the other one's crying, and the wife's having a fight with her husband. You see, what had happened just before this verse that I'm going to read is that Paul's speaking, and he says, I had these incredible moments of revelation. He's speaking about a moment 14 years prior where he was taken up into the third heaven, it says. 
He must have had incredible visions. He must have had incredible experiences, encounters with God. He might have seen angels. He might have seen Jesus himself. He might have had an audible voice of Jesus speaking to him. And he says, with that in mind, and that being the background, verse 6 says this of 2 Corinthians chapter 12. It says, but I refrain so no one will think more of me than is warranted by what I do or say, or because of these surpassingly great revelations. That's what he's speaking about, being taken up into the third heaven. He says, therefore, because of that, in order to keep me from becoming conceited or proud, I was given, and this is the phrase I want to speak about, a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. Growing up, we used to run around as kids without shoes on mostly. Very often we stood on thorns. There were these specific thorns in the place that I grew up that were called devil's thorns. And the devil thorns didn't just have one thorn. They actually had kind of four or five of them. And so no matter how you stood on it, you would get poked. And so what happened often that you would get poked and then as you kept on running, the thorn would break off, but there'd be a piece that would be stuck in your foot. My mother took great joys to taking these thorns out of our feet. Kind of something like this. Picked this one yesterday and you can imagine this kind of thing going into your foot. Not only that, the top of the little thorn gets stuck behind and stuck in your foot. This is what Paul's talking about over here. A thorn in the flesh. Now you might ask, well, what is the thorn in the flesh that Paul's talking about? We'll get to that now, but what's quite interesting is that Paul says, I've got a thorn in my flesh, but he doesn't explain what it is. The reason I think he did that was because if he said to us, the thorn in my flesh is, I am not feeling good most of the day. I'm sick. I've got bad eyesight. We would all look at it and say, well, that's not me. That was only Paul. But him saying, I've got a thorn in my flesh kind of opens up for us all. Now, your thorn in the flesh might not be a chronic illness. It might be a bad relationship with your husband or your wife. It's been coming for years. It's been really tough on you. No matter how well you try to do whatever you do, you still have this deep pain. It might be an unhappy employment. You've tried for years to get another job. Your boss is brutal. Every day you get up and you go to work and you're doing your best, but you just feel like this thing is pressing and it's causing tremendous pain, but you can't get rid of it. Interesting thing about the thorn is this, is that it's something of permanence. And I'll show you that now. It's a situation or a circumstance, a sickness, a disease, or a financial situation that just no matter what you do and how you go about it, you just cannot get away from it. With regards to the thorn in the flesh that Paul's talking about here, the interesting thing about it is that it opens up the door for you and for me. It speaks directly to your and to my life. I know I've got one very major thorn in the flesh, and I've spoken a bit about that, my mental health and keeping me and constantly, every day I've got to work on it, every day I've got to concentrate and focus on it. For you, it might be something different, but we've all got thorns in the flesh, and I want to show you a little bit out of this verse how to handle it according to how God sees it. Now, 
You might ask this question, why did he get a thorn in the flesh? Why did he get something that was so painful, that was so constant, that was so continuous, and he's such an amazing man, he wrote lots of the New Testament. Let me explain it to you like this. It says this in verse 7. It says, therefore, because of this amazing stuff that happened to me, in order to keep me from becoming conceited or becoming proud, I got a thorn in the flesh. Could it be true that Paul's saying this to us, and I think it is, is that the reason that we get a thorn in the flesh at times, the reason you and I might get that in our, in our own lives, is to stop us from becoming proud. Well, you might say to me, well, Tim, fortunately, I'm not that guy. I'm not a proud man. I'm actually quite humble. All my friends say I'm humble when I tell them to tell me that I'm humble. Well, that might be the first indication that you are a proud man or a proud woman. God shows us in the word here, and Paul says it quite clearly, is that in order to stop us from becoming proud and puffed up and think so much of ourselves, there was a thorn in the flesh. I don't know if you've seen it at high schools, but usually in the guy high schools or co-ed high schools as well, you get those guys that have, they're full of colors on their blazers and they've got a whole bunch of badges down the side here. And that shows how wonderful they are and the amazing things that they've done in sports and academics and whatever have you. But they seem to walk around the corridors with a little bit of a puffed up chest. It's a little bit of pride. There's a little bit of, yes, I've done this myself. It's almost like this balloon. And sometimes you might have hit a good, good purple patch in your life. You might be doing really well financially might be doing really well with the family members in your life. Your mother-in-law's not getting on your nerves so, so much anymore. You're actually looking after your wife and your kids and you're not kicking the dog anymore. Things are going really well. It's almost like you take a little breath. You think I'm close to God. The spiritual thing is quite easy, actually. I'm attending church online, but at least I'm doing it every, every Sunday. And then you think about your career and you think, wow, I'm actually quite good at doing what I'm doing. Quite a good salesman if I look at that which I've had in the past. It's not that easy to blow up a balloon and preach at the same time for those that are laughing. And it's almost as if, it's almost as if Paul's saying here that there's a thorn in the flesh and it just comes and it just pops and it just pops. And this is what you feel like. That's what's left. You wake up every day with whatever it might be that's the thorn. You think, God, honestly, is this what my life's come down to? Every time I have a Christmas time, I've got such a bad relationship with my family, and this is what I feel like. So what does Paul do here? He does what every good Christian should do. He says this. He says, God, I'm going to pray. Because usually when we're in bad situations as Christians, what do we do? We pray. And so he prays, but he doesn't just pray, he pleads, the Bible says. He doesn't just plead once, the Bible says he pleads three times. I don't know about you, but I've pleaded with God many more than three times. I remember we had a forest next to our house when this happened to me 14 years ago. I used to go out regularly, I could probably only work an hour or two a day. I'd come home and then I'd go for a walk in this big forest right next to where we lived. I remember looking at the trees up high and calling out to God and saying, God, you made these trees and you look after them so well, but here I am and I just feel like you've left me. Where are you, God? Where are you going to help me? How are you going to get me out of this thing? 
every day I'd go back and nothing would have changed. I don't know about you how many times you've prayed to God, but it might be many more times than just three. It might be calling out to God and all you feel is like there's no answer, there's no answer, and there's no change to my circumstance. Second thing we ask then is that if that's what Paul did, what does God do in his response? And now look for it. Here's the but God moment. It says this in verse 8. It says, Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Who said it to him? It was God. But God said, God, I'm calling out for you to take this thing away from me. I need this thing out of my life. I need my sickness to be healed. I need this relationship to become better. I need my financial position to change. And then it goes like this, but God says, that doesn't mean that it's something positive is gonna come out of it, I would think. But God goes like this. He says, my grace is sufficient for you and my power is made perfect in your weakness. Those two thoughts. The first thing is this, is that the grace of God is the same grace that plucked you out of going to hell, plucked you out of an unsaved life, plucked you out of a relationship without God, and took you into this heavenly, incredible relationship with God. That same grace, God says, that same grace is there for you in your time of weakness. I've got you. And then it goes on to say something even more wonderful and more incredible. He goes like this, he says, my power is made perfect in your weakness. Wow. His power made perfect in my weakness? Imagine you could call out to God and say, God, I want you to be perfect in your power. I want you to be the most powerful God that you can. God says to you, fine, I'll do it through your weakness. Well, God, that really wasn't what I was expecting. I was expecting you to come and do a wonderful, powerful miracle and come and save many people and heal all of those that are sick, take away COVID. No, God says, in your weakness, I will show you how perfectly powerful I am. You see, you might be feeling like this. You might say, oh, my pride's been taken out of me. It's been so many years. It's been 20, 30 years, and I just don't know what to do anymore. I've called out to God. God comes to you, and he says this. He says, my power's got to be made perfect in your weakness. So asking my kids and speaking to them about my preach this morning, I was saying to them, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to pop a balloon. And I was saying to them, you know what the best balloon is ever? And we were speaking about the best balloon ever being a hot air balloon. Hot air balloon, you travel in it, it stays above the earth, you look over everything, it's glorious. What God's wanting to say to you is that when he takes a weak vessel like this, he wants to take it, he wants to blow in his glory, and he wants to take it to being a hot air balloon. That's what he's got for you. And you might say, well, that's fantastic for Paul. What about Jesus? Do you know that this exact same principle was so relevant in Jesus' life? How's this for incredible? To think that Jesus had a thorn in his flesh. You know what his thorn was? His thorn was knowing that he was going to the cross. He often spoke about it with his disciples saying, guys, I'm going to need to drink this cup of suffering. They didn't really know what he was talking about. He said, I'm going to be leaving you from. They didn't know what he was talking about. He knew he was on the way to the cross. He knew he was going to suffer. Do you know that the greatest miracle that ever happened, the greatest 
powerful performance of God's power that ever happened was done with the Son of God in His weakest form, hanging on a tree, bleeding, a gash, a, a spear into His side, naked, on a cross. And in that moment, God's power was made perfect in the weakness of Jesus. Jesus knows exactly what you're going through. You might feel like it's a thorn in my flesh. Do you know that as Jesus hung on the cross in his weakest state, he not only had a thorn in his flesh, he had a crown of thorns pressing into his skull. He knew every single thorn that you would have. And his grace is sufficient for you. His power is made perfect in your weakness. Today I want to bless you in saying that your weakness might not go away like mine hasn't. Your limp might still be there many years from the time of injury. Your financial strain might just be killing you, but it's not going away. And you've called out to God. And this is God's call out to you from heaven and from your heart. He's saying this. He's saying, my grace will be sufficient for you. And I'm going to do an incredible miracle in your life. You might not even see it now, but it will be something so great and touch so many people's lives and that my power will be made perfect in your weakness. May that bless you this week. Have a wonderful day. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you would like to find out more information about Olive Tree Church, please visit our website at otc.org.za or email info at otc.org.za. We hope you have an amazing week.